Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. You can, uh, you can have your seat. Well, I do have some things to say tonight. And, um, you know, the, um, hallelujah. And uh, there were a couple things that the Lord, I believe, laid on my heart to say about uh, what, what produces and sustains a move of God. Because the Lord said something to me. Uh, I know it's been uh, two years ago at least. And uh, I shared it a number of different times. And I even ministered here on it about a youth movement. And uh, we said for a long time, the babies are coming. And the Lord said something to me one day when I was in prayer. He said, the move of God that's coming on this nation. He said to me, he said, it's going to impact the young people. And he said, it's going to be like the days of the Jesus movement, but with a deeper understanding of the Word and the Holy Spirit. Now, <clears throat> I will have been saved this year 48 years. And uh, I, I, knew, I knew a lot of people, a lot of people, still know a lot of people, that were born again out of the Jesus movement what we called the Jesus movement in that day. And it, it was just a move of God. And, and here's why a move of God showed up in that generation. One reason is because the church, by and large, had become so superficial. They, they had become so uh, prescribed in their movements. They, they just had a... a, a uh, uh, a written way of doing everything. There wasn't any hunger in, in the church in general, in the institution called the church, for a deeper move of God. So God had to start touching people that were outside the church that knew nothing about church to produce a move of God. But here was the problem. Then those people started getting saved and coming to church, and the church didn't want them. But there was a move of God on. So God raised up other ministries. God raised up other pastors. God raised up other places to, to begin to, to facilitate this move of God. And so it's no coincidence that what we're seeing and, and, and understand when I say this, I'm, I'm not a, a big person to talk about a revival in the sense that a lot of people do. It's a sovereign move of God, all right? God will never abandon a generation to an existence without His presence. He will never abandon a generation to have no knowledge of Him. He will always, every generation will be visited, by the power of God. Every generation will be visited by the power of God. Amen. Every generation. And I, I'm glad that God has me alive on the earth to see another one. To see another one. I, I came into this earth at, at, at the end of the charismatic renewal. When people were getting filled with the Holy Spirit. My, my father 
went to West Texas and New Mexico uh, right after the, the charismatic renewal. And he went to a little town called Clayton, New Mexico, 2,000 people in Clayton, New Mexico. And he started a meeting and had maybe 30 people in the beginning of the meeting. And Catholics started coming out by the boatload. You understand what I mean? And started, getting, and started getting filled with the Holy Spirit. And their lives begin to change. And, and here's something about people that are in institutionalized religion. When they encounter the presence of God, they want to go back and tell other people that I'm encountering the presence of God. That thing began to grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. By the time he left, it was a six-week revival. By the time he left that meeting, there was 350 to 400 born again. Holy Spirit filled people in a church that when it started had 30. It, it was just a, a move of God that was on. And, and everywhere you went, that, that's how it was. Everywhere you went. And people made fun of it. You know, we talk about the charismatic dances that came out of it. And you know, dance charismaniac, people make fun of it. It was a move of God. People had never seen anything like that before. That, amen. People were, people were being moved on by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Remember John and Elizabeth Sherrill, they wrote a book called They'll Speak With Other Tongues. Amen. About, about the, the, the charismatic renewal that was going on. It was just a most phenomenal time in the earth. Amen. God didn't abandon that generation. Then, then, then I remember when the Word of Faith movement started. The Word of Faith movement started. That, that was just as much a move of God as any other move of God. God didn't abandon His people. Amen. And, and, and churches that used to be 150, 200 people started teaching and preaching the word. And those churches started growing to three and four and 500 people because it was a move of God. But here's the thing. When you look at all those moves of God, the hallmark of all of them is nobody cared who got the credit. You know, in, uh, uh, well, it had been 1906, actually, in Topeka, Kansas, uh, in, a, in an old, it was going to be a mansion, a rich man had started building this mansion. And when he started building it, it had the finest uh, materials on the bottom floor and the, and the second floor. And the higher he went, he started running out of money. And so each floor was cheaper. And they called it Stone's Folly. It was Mr. Stone who had built that house, and he ran out of money and had to abandon it. Well, a guy named Charles Parham came to Topeka. Charles Parham was a traveling minister. And Charles Parham came to Topeka, and he had been asking the Lord and looking through the Scriptures about this experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in other tongues. Now, he believed in healing. He saw great miracles. He was an itinerant minister, a traveling minister. Started a Bible school, 1906 in Topeka, Kansas. Started a Bible school there in Stone's Folly. And, and one, one, one night, he was going, uh, he was actually going in the neck of the woods where uh, uh, the DeSoto campus is. Uh, he was going down to Lawrence, Kansas to minister in a meeting there. Uh, Lawrence is what? 30 miles from Topeka, I guess, something like that. And, and in any event, he, he went. And while he's gone, he's going to be gone a few days, he gave the students an assignment. He said, I want you to look through the book of Acts and find out and determine if speaking in tongues is for us today. And he said, when I get back, we can discuss it. Well, they, they, started, they started looking through, while he was gone, they started fasting and praying and seeking God and looking through the, and they came to this conclusion that everywhere you saw in the book of Acts, somebody filled with the Holy Ghost, the next thing they begin to do was speak in tongues. All right? Now, I'm, I'm, I'm saying this for a reason because, you know, we know that, but everybody doesn't know that. They didn't know that at this time. There's a move of God coming. They didn't know it at this time. 
So he got, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. And so the students got together and determined it is the will of God. And they all started praying and praising God and asking God to fill them with the Holy Spirit. And a young teenage girl named Agnes Osman was filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues. Man, that thing caught fire. Parham got back and he said, what'd you find out? And they said, we have found through our study that this is what the scripture says. And he could see it. He could hear him speak in tongues. He didn't even get filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. But the point, the point that I'm making is no one, no one knew what was going on in that, in that Bible school because nobody was making a big thing of, look what I've discovered. It was something God was wanting to do. Parham left Topeka and went to Houston, Texas and started a Bible school in Houston, Texas where a a short African-American man blind in one eye named William J. Seymour came to his Bible school. But because of the Jim Crow laws of the time, he couldn't sit in the classroom. They put him out in the hallway in a desk. But he learned about the infilling of the Holy Spirit. He learned that there was an experience subsequent to salvation called the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Because, you know, holiness people back in those days they thought when, 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 when you got saved, that, that was it. You got all the Holy Ghost you, you needed, and, and, and the second work was making you more holy. They begin to see that when you receive the Holy Ghost, the subsequent work was speaking in tongues. So he left Houston and was invited to Los Angeles to minister. And he went to Los Angeles and was, was out there at an AME church and was called there to minister. And his first meeting, he ministered on being filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking in other tongues. Well, he left the church that morning and came back that night and the doors were locked. And they said, we don't believe that. And they put him out. Now he's got nowhere to go, nowhere to stay. But he encountered some folks that wanted this move of God. And they had a house on a street in, in Los Angeles called Bonnie Bray Street. And he went to the house on Bonnie Bray Street and started holding meetings. The first night, the living room was full. The second night, the, 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 the den was full and the kitchen was full and the dining room was full. The third night, the porch was full. The fourth night, the yard was full. They finally had to move because the porch fell down and, and, and broke under the weight of all the people that were there. And people were just getting filled with the Holy Spirit, evidence of speaking in other tongues. And you, and you know where he ended up going. He ended up going downtown to an old church on Azusa Street where the Azusa Street outpouring started, 1907. Amen. You know the phenomenal thing about the Azusa Street meetings? There were never more than 70 people in in attendance. Never. Never more than 70 people in attendance in those meetings. I said something this morning. I hope you didn't miss it. People sometimes are so worried about getting big that they forfeit the presence of God. Amen. Isn't it interesting that we talk about the man born by four? And the power of God that touched him and healed him. He was in a meeting that was in a house that was full. A house, just a house. But the Bible says in that house, the power of God was present to heal them. Amen. And, and, and Seymour did very little ministering. He had an apple crate on the, on the platform. And he'd get on his knees and stick his head in that apple crate and pray. You know who was laying hands on people in the services? The young people. They were laying hands on people, and people were getting healed. There are documented reports of limbs growing out. 
They, they, they lost count of the times the fire department was called because they said the building was on fire. And people could see the, the literal flames coming out of that building. But where's the leader? Where's the one that God was moving through? On the platform with his head in a box. When nobody cares who gets the credit, God can have his way. And in these moments that we've been having, when the presence of the Lord shows up, I just want to find out how close to the ground I can get. That's the, that's the honest truth. Because if we're waiting on him, we're not waiting on me. We're waiting on him. Hallelujah. Do you understand this? This is so important. And yet that revival touched the world. Touched the world. You know, some years before that, some years before that, in the European continent, God started moving in a young man's name, a young man's life named Evan Roberts. And God started moving in his life. And they started hungering for a move of God. And it's what's commonly referred to as the Welsh revival. It only lasted one year. But turned that continent upside down. Hallelujah. So many people were getting saved. So many people were getting saved. And, and that was a revival of praise and worship. A lot of songs came out of that revival. So many people were getting saved. Welsh miners were getting saved. So many of them were getting saved. It's documented that the mules and, and, and the ponies in the coal mine did not know how to act because so many people were getting saved and they weren't cussing anymore. They didn't know how to work unless they were being cussed at. But you know, throughout that revival... There were so many nights, so many times, Evan Roberts' voice was never even heard. Yet he's the one that God moved through to get it started. When nobody cares who gets the credit, God can do what he wants to do. Is that right? Amen. And, and you see that. You see that all through the, the, the different moves of God that the nation has seen and that people have seen. So I went through all that. That's my introduction. What produces and sustains the move of God? Two things. Number one, desire. You have to desire it. If you don't desire it, you'll never have it. Secondly, humility. Desire and humility desire and humility that's what produces and sustains a move of God listen I'm all about honor I'm all about honoring the people that God's brought into our lives I'm all about honoring men and women of God I believe that we should do that uh, w without a doubt but there has to be a desire and, and hear me not just a, not just a desire in me I can desire it all I want. If you don't desire it, it'll never be seen. I have to desire it. As a member of the body, I have to desire it. I have to want it more than I want anything else. That has to be what I want. Amen. When, when God was talking to Moses on the mountain, and, and he, was, he was about to give him... Uh, 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 the law, the, the Ten Commandments. It, isn't it amazing that Moses is there and his one request is, Lord, I want to see your glory. I want to see you in a way I've never seen you before. Desire. Desire. I have to desire a move of God.
in my church. I have to desire a move of God in my life. I have to desire a move of God in, in my existence. Amen. I have to want it. I have to desire it. Of course, it's, it starts with the head of any ministry, but what is my desire? What do I? When, when you are desiring something from God, the peripheral things don't matter anymore. Whatever's going on doesn't matter anymore. When, when you come to church and you're desiring a move of God, it doesn't matter to you where you had to park. It doesn't matter to you where they sat you. It doesn't matter who you sat beside. It doesn't matter if it's bright or dark, cold or hot. I want something from God. I desire a move of God. Everything else doesn't matter. Does, does that make sense? Because I'm desiring something from God. What, what stopped every move of God that I begin to talk to you about was when people started worrying about what was going to happen to them if they didn't get their part of it. Amen. As, as long as nobody cared who got the credit, God was moving. Because that's what the people desired. And, and here's the thing. I remember when the Brownsville revival, Brownsville, Florida, was in full swing. I went to that revival. And, and it, was a powerful, it was a powerful thing. It was a powerful move of God. I mean, it's just phenomenal to sit in a church you know, and, and, and somehow we still have this mindset, am I helping you all? Yeah. That, 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 you know, if you go to church, well, you know, if people are in church, they're all saved, right? I mean, that's what we think. And I'm sitting there in that, in that revival, probably four or five rows back. And, and Steve Hill preached. Steve Hill's in heaven today. But he preached, man, God used him in that, in that revival. And, and he preached one of the most simple messages I've ever heard, just, just a, an evangelistic message. Not, not that evangelists are simple, but it was just a simple message. And he gave the altar call, and I'll never forget, he said, if you need Jesus in your life, I want you to come tonight. I never saw such a flood of people running down the altar to get, run, running down the aisle to the altar to get born again. It was the most phenomenal thing I ever saw in my life. Phenomenal. Amazing. You know, people would come. I didn't go there to catch the spirit of revival. I learned a long time ago, I'm not dead. I don't need to be revived. I have the life of God on the inside of me. But if I'm like Lester Summerall. God, don't let anything happen on this earth what time I'm here that I'm not in the middle of it. Amen. And I watched people. I watched people leave that revival, and they would go back to their churches, and they would try to replicate the music, and they would try to replicate the setting, and they would try to replicate the message, and they were missing the point. The, the, the move of God was not the music. It was not even the messages. It was the desire of the people. They wanted something from God. Do you, do you understand? Hallelujah. I got some verses to get into. Bear with me. I'm not going to take very long. And, and I watched people. And, and, and you know, uh, they, they would go back and try to replicate people laying on the ground and shaking. You know, because that's, that, that was a hallmark of that move of God. Well, you can shake and it's not God doing anything in you. It's just you shaking. You have to desire something. When you desire something from God, God's not necessarily going to pour something out on you that's going to cause you to do something different than you would normally do in a service. But it will increase and it, and it will make more heavy the way that you operate because the presence of God is there on a, in another measure. If you're desiring it. If you're desiring it. If you're desiring it. Hallelujah. Do you see that? And so when, when you look at moves of God like that, when you, when you hear, for instance, John Kilpatrick, who was the pastor, when you hear his story and his testimony, his cry to God was, God, I don't want my church to just be normal church. I don't want it to just be another Assembly of God church on the corner here. I want something to occur in this church that will bring glory to your name. 
And in, on Father's Day, Sunday, Father's Day, he had invited Steve Hill to minister, and that move of God broke out and went for the next three years. Whew. Hallelujah. Amen. They desired something from God. So the first thing is desire. I have to desire it. The Lord said to our church, and he said this through Annette Caps. She, of course, is ministering in DeSoto location. And she came and she said the Lord had given her a specific word for our church. And it was this. You have been instructed and prepared. You have been taught. And we have. The Lord went on and said, now is the time to be enveloped in the revelation and the consciousness of the truth. Allow it to set a fire to your mind and heart so that you burn with light and understanding. Allow my words to burn away the awareness of failures and shortcomings. Now, she has no idea what we've been saying in these moments. But what has the Lord been saying in all these times where we've been waiting on the Lord? There are things you're never going to have to deal with again because the presence of the Lord is taking them out of your life. Amen? Allow my words to burn away the awareness of failures and shortcomings. Right now, say, Lord, I allow your word to burn away my awareness of failures and shortcomings in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hmm. The Lord went on to say, and change your mind and heart to recognize your value to me. Hmm. That's powerful. You got to recognize your value to God. And your value to God is not wrapped up in what you can do. How good of a singer you are. How good of a preacher you are. How much you give. How good you look. How bad you look. I, I know ministers that their identity is all wrapped up in their message. Amen. And if they don't feel like they preached a good message, they're just down in the dumps and you got to come blow them up. Amen. I'm more than a message. I'm a child of God. He said, you need to recognize. See, this is what's happening in this move. You're going to recognize your value to me. Hallelujah. What, what do we have? I'm, I'm, I'm getting to this point. The Lord said to me two years ago, this move is going to start in the young people. What do we have in the generation we live in today? We have a group of young people that are being taught basically that you're nobody based on your, your race, based on your gender, based on where you came from. You're, you're nobody. He said, I want you to recognize your value to me. Amen. Whew. Now watch, I have prepared you for this very hour. I have prepared you for this very hour. See, what do you desire? I, I want what he's been preparing us for. Amen. I had a brother one time that, that and, and, and not here in, in the location, and he was just constantly on me, sending me three or four emails a week about, about we needed to do this and we needed to do that and we needed to take these steps and, and we needed to do this and I needed to expand my horizons and I needed to take the limits off God. And that's fine. I mean, I, I appreciated the fact that he was concerned about what we were doing. But I know how to hear from God. And so I just very kindly said, well, you know, the Lord's not telling me to do anything like that. So we're just going to wait. See, the Lord has prepared us for this hour. Say it out loud. The Lord has prepared us for this hour. 
It's not coincidence that you're in this church. It's not coincidence that God brought you when he brought you. Some of you have been here the whole eight years. Some of you have been here half that time, some less than that. But here's the, here's the issue. It's not a coincidence that God brought you here. Amen. But then he said this, two things. Number one, will you accept my call? If I don't accept it, it doesn't matter. Will you accept my call? Well, what has he called us to do? I told you the other day, he said to me, I'm looking for churches that will be doors to allow me to move in their community. And I said, Lord, we'll be one. Amen. And, and at that moment, I felt that presence come on me. And I asked the Lord, what is that? He said, it's that mantle for this move of God. Hallelujah. In this location, both, there's no more church as usual. We're, we're going to do what God says to do because he's prepared us for this moment. So he said, will you accept my call? Secondly, I, lo I loved this. Will you come with me? Will you accept my call and will you come with me? So, in other words, God's going somewhere. See, I've got to desire this. I've got to desire it. That's what sustains and produces a move of God, is desire. And then, the second thing is humility. 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 We're not going to take very long. Humility. Now, humility can best be defined as thinking properly of oneself. Pride is a conceited sense of superiority. Humility is thinking properly of oneself. According to the Word. What does the Word say? Hallelujah. I'll, I'll give you these verses. We, we won't take the time to look at all of them. But the first thing about humility is it's Christ-like. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 9 says that I should let this mind be in me that was also in Christ, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God. All right? But he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. See, humility is when you say, Lord, I would like to do this, but if that's not your plan, I won't. What, what, what caused Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane to say these words? Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not your will, not my will, but your will be done. Now, people say it was his love for us. That was part of it, but his humility before the Father. Not what I want, what you want. Amen. Not what I want, what you want. And that was a hallmark of Jesus' ministry. I do nothing that I don't see my Father do. I say nothing that my Father didn't tell me to say. The Father in me, He's doing the works. He gets all the glory. What was that? Jesus with his head in an apple crate. My father's doing the works. They, they, they talked about him casting out devils. We read it this morning. What did he say? I cast out devils with the finger of God. Who got the credit there? God. Who got the credit for every healing that Jesus performed? God. Why? Because Jesus was humble. And notice, he, he willingly humbled himself and became obedient. Unto the, why? He desired something. The Bible says he did that for the joy that was set before him. It says he humbled himself and became obedient to death so that he could bring many sons to glory. Jesus never promoted his own ministry. 
he would tell people when he healed them. Now, don't make, make sure you don't tell anybody. Now, why did he do that? Because Isaiah said he wouldn't make much of his own self. He wouldn't blow his own horn. Here's a man that healed multitudes with his word. And not healed some of them, healed them all. They saw, Jesus saw arms grow out and legs grow out. He saw appendages grow back out on people. It says that he healed the maimed. People that had lost limbs, Jesus healed them. And then he would say, make sure nobody knows it. In other words, don't give me the glory, give God the glory. When the rich young ruler came to him and said, good master, he said, why you call me good? There's none good but God. What, what was he doing? He wasn't being self-depreciating. He was giving God the glory. I know I'm boring some of y'all, but, but that's okay. I, I desire something. I desire, I desire a move of God more than I desire to impress you. That's the reality of it. If, if we want what's going to change a group of people, he said, I want you to touch a city, I want you to touch a people, and I want you to reach a generation. That's what we have to do. Amen. Glory to God. Humility makes great. Matthew chapter 18 and verse 4. Matthew chapter 18. And verse 4, I want to read this real quickly. Oh, hallelujah. Notice what Jesus said. Whoever will humble himself as this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. You humble yourself, you're the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. The Bible says that humility unlocks more grace. James chapter 4, verse 6, and 1 Peter 5, 5, both say God gives grace to the humble. Gives more grace to the humble. See, this is, this is what produces and sustains a move of God, is desire and humility. Oh, hallelujah. Look, look at Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. See, he's asking us, will you go with me? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. He says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation where you are called. Verse 2, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So notice he says, walk with all lowliness and meekness with long-suffering. I walk with humility. Walk in humility. Hallelujah. So that's thinking properly of oneself according to the Word. Amen. I don't have time to go into the, the opposite of that, but, but obviously the opposite of humility is pride, and pride originated with the devil. God hates pride. Pride brings strife. See, when nobody cares who gets the credit, God can do what he wants. That's, that's why Proverbs chapter 13, verse 10 says, only through pride comes contention. Only, only through pride comes contention. I was talking to a person one time. They couldn't figure out why there was always arguments going on in their marriage. I said, because you're full of pride. If you won't argue, there won't be an argument. Why do you argue? Because you want to make your point. When nobody cares who's right in a marriage, you'll have a good marriage. As long as you got to have your way and make your point, not going to have a very good marriage. Huh, let me move right along. Praise God. Amen. The, the, listen, the greatest thing in any relationship is that the other person doesn't care. And, and you understand what I mean by that? 
Not, not doesn't care about the person, but it just it, it doesn't matter. Sometimes people are in a bad mood. It don't matter. And I've counseled marriages. Well, I'll tell you what, she's just not spiritual. And you are, oh, holy one. What what they used to say, that's the pot calling the kettle black. The, the mere fact that you're pointing your finger proves your unspirituality. Hallelujah. See, only through pride comes contention. When God's moving in a body and everybody's desiring it and everybody wants, wants a part of the move, not a part in that I get to say, I get to speak, I get to sing, but I just want what God wants for the body he's called me to. When God has that opportunity and everybody's mindset is that way, God can do what he wants. Because all the moves of God that I talked to you before about, pride killed all of them. It killed all of them. People got lifted up. They started making it about them. My mailing list, the people that I brought in, my Bible school, my this, my that. This is not my church, and you are not my sheep. This is God's church, and you're his sheep. And he gave me the oversight of you. And he gave me the oversight of this church. I will stand accountable for what this church does and how I treated you and whether or not you grew. But the Bible says that you are his sheep that he purchased with his blood. You are his purchased possession. You, you, you understand? It, it's, it's not about me and mine and I and what I get. Am I helping you? Oh, hallelujah. Uh, pride prevents spiritual growth. Look at this real quick. Proverbs 26. I, I had to move off that marriage thing because. Not because anybody's doing that, but it's so important that I understand that. You know, I learned early on, one time I was invited to a, a meeting to speak. The guy had invited me, uh, this was years ago, before I was a pastor. And uh, he had invited me to speak at this, this meeting in the afternoon. And Pastor Michelle worked nights at the time. And, uh, and uh, she had to have the vehicle to go to work. So I had to be back home at a certain time. And he said I was going to be speaking here, it was, it was, now many of y'all won't know what this is, but it was called a preach-a-thon is what it was called. And, and they had like four or five ministers that were, that were speaking. And uh, he had invited me to come speak, and, and I had like an hour to speak. And, and so the guy that was in front of me, uh, he kept preaching and kept preaching and kept preaching. And they came to me first and said, uh, can you cut your sermon to 50 minutes? I said, eh, that's not a problem. And then they came to me, can you cut it to 40 minutes? It's not because, because, you know, he's still preaching. They're not stopping him, so he's preaching. And finally he came to me and said, can you, uh, can you cut it to 20 minutes? And finally I just said, you know, brother, just don't worry about my spot. Just let him keep going because I, I got to go. You know, I, I got to get home. Here's the reason I'm telling you this is, you know, I learned early on, if I get upset about that, that's going to hinder me in the future. Right? When nobody cares who gets the credit. Now, was it wrong? Was it rude? Yeah, I mean, if you're preaching in front of somebody, you ought to probably quit five minutes early. Instead of saying, well, I didn't mean to take my brother's time. Well, you did too, you big liar. You, you, you did. You did mean to, or you wouldn't have done it. <laughs> and I've had them look at me and say, I know I'm taking your time, but oh, the Holy Ghost. I'm just like, go ahead, go ahead on. Go ahead on. Amen. Because when somebody does that, they're just showing their immaturity. And you don't get upset with immature people. Is that right? 
Proverbs 26. See, pride prevents spiritual growth. Notice uh, Proverbs 26, 12. See a man wise in his own conceit. There's more hope of a fool than of him. Mm-hmm. Amen. It, uh, it hinders people loving God. Psalm chapter 10. I got two verses here. We'll start wrapping this up. Desire and humility. Will you accept my call and will you come with me? Psalm 10.4. The wicked through the pride of his countenance will not seek after God. God is not in all of his thoughts. That's powerful. The wicked through the pride of his countenance will not seek after God. God is not in all of his thoughts. What's that telling us? God should be in all of our thoughts. Lord, what do you want? What do you desire? What do you want me to do? How do you want me to do this? Amen. When nobody cares who gets the credit, God can have his way. Proverbs 16. And we'll... uh, This will be our last verse, Proverbs 16 and verse 18. Notice, this is a familiar scripture, but notice this. Pride before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Now, that's in the Word. So pride is before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Now, here's the good news. I don't have to be prideful. I can choose to be humble. And desire and humility is what sustains the move of God. Amen. You know, I heard uh, uh, a singer. I won't mention his name. You'd know him if I said it. But uh, years ago, and I remember this tour, there was a tour of uh, contemporary Christian music artists, and it was called the Young Messiah Tour. Now, this was way back in the late 80s, early 90s, and it had a number of different uh, singers in it. Uh, there was a group called For Him and Twyla Paris and Russ Taff and Larnell Harris and all, all these people that a lot of people don't know. <laughs> but anyway, the, the, the point is, is there was one uh, of the singers that was making a statement. He said, you know, we were going to all these great cities in America. And he said, we were in a different city every night. And he said, so what became the kind of the pattern was that, you know, we would sit in the green room and, 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 and kind of, you know, eat and, and catch up and visit. And, and he said, then when it was our turn, the stage manager would come to the door about five minutes till and say, hey, you know, you're up. And he said, then we, we would go get ready and go sing our song and, and just sing our song and then come back and and, and hang out and, and visit, not doing anything wrong, overtly sinful, right? And he said, I was, uh, I was back there, and the stage manager came and said, hey, you know, you're up, called his name, said, you're up. And he said, uh, I went out there, and he said, I just drilled my song and sang it, and he said, the people just were, you know, applauding, and, and it was just a, a wonderful time. And he said, I, I was walking off the stage, and I was really feeling pleased. And he said, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And said, why do you get more pleasure out of how people respond than in what I'm doing? And he said, that hit me. And he said, I made the decision right there. He said, at the end of that tour, everybody was calling me their cheerleader. Because when I, before I would sing, and when I got done singing, I would go sit on the front row and 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 ag- and 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 cheer them on and praise the Lord while they were singing. And he said something just changed on the inside of me because I, I was I was more concerned with what the Holy Spirit was doing than anything else. You know, one thing that I've seen, you know, there, this, this move of God that's been going on, and 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 you got to understand, I don't get involved in things just to get involved in things. But, uh, uh, you know, the, the, this, this, this move of God that hit there for however, ever how many days uh, in Kentucky, Wiltmore, at the Asbury College. And you know, you know what was interesting to me 
was they sent out an email and said there had been several prominent ministries that had offered to bring all of their equipment and offered to help with that. And they said, no, you can come and stand in line like everybody else, and we'll let you come in like everybody else. One prominent ministry wanted to bring a panel and just do their, their deal there. And they said, no, this is not about a personality. Isn't it interesting that in the move of God that we're seeing going on, it's not some great minister that everybody knows that's at the helm of it. Brother Hagin would prophesy before he died. He said the move of God that's coming on America, he said it's going to be by men through men and women that people know very little of. But I'll tell you who is going to move through the most is people that don't want to be known. They just want what God wants. Hallelujah. I want, see, he asked us, he asked us this. Notice, will you accept my call? Now, I've got to answer that question for me. Well, sitting in my house today, I answered in the affirmative. Yes, I will. I will. I'll accept your call. And will you come with me? Yes, I will. Now, here's the thing, and I'll, I'll wrap this up with this. Here's the thing. Nothing that God's doing changes who you are. All right? It, 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 it makes it greater. You understand? You don't, you don't stop being who you are and start being something else. That's what I see people doing. No, God said to us, he said, the only way they'll be able to describe you is you're a church that flows in the Word and in the Spirit. So that's, he's just, he's just gonna, he's just gonna emphasize that. Amen. Because the Lord told me some time ago, and notice he said something in this word. He said, uh, he said, uh, you, you, you have been taught, you've been prepared. Amen. And the Lord said something to me, and I've, I've shared this with you. He said, we have generations of ministers that are coming up that know nothing about the moving of the Holy Spirit. Nothing about the moving of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. If I, if I see one more minister that has to show off his Louis Vuitton hoodie, I think I might just gag. God doesn't have a problem with you wearing Louis Vuitton. He doesn't have a problem with that at all. But that's not what it's all about. You're not blessed because you can wear Louis Vuitton from head to toe. You can have some Louis Vuitton underwear, and it doesn't, it, 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 that's not the issue. doesn't change anything. They go in the same bin the Fruit of Loom goes in. <laughs> Hallelujah. I think, it's, I think that we have to start gauging, if we could say this word, our success by the change in people's life and not just by what we possess. That makes sense? And God wants you to possess the best, to eat the good of the land, Right? But remember what he said? He said, you'll eat the good of the land when you keep putting me first. Putting him first. So, will you accept my call and will you come with me? Yes, I will. And, and that's what we've seen God do. And, and, and we're going to receive the offering in just a moment. Last Tuesday after healing school, when the Holy Spirit uh, just moved in so preciously. And it was in that moment we were just waiting on the Lord. And he said, I want you, he said tomorrow, which would have been a Wednesday, I want you to wait on me 
from 11 to 12, and I want you to make that available to people that want to come. And I told the people, and there were different ones that came. And then during that Wednesday, he said, I want you to make this available on Thursday uh, from 11 to 12, and we did. But then on Thursday, he spoke to me very plainly, and he said, I don't want this again till Monday. I, I want what he wants. People say, well, how much farther is this going on? I'll tell you right now, till Monday. And if I don't hear anything different on Monday, we won't do it. Because this, this is, the, you understand? This is a busy office. We got a lot going on. To take an hour or more than an hour out of the staff's day, and I want him in the presence of this, to take an hour, hour and a half, we, we get, there's a lot of work that doesn't get done. But we want what God wants. We want what God wants. And so we've been, we've been sending out emails. And I, and I talked to my pastor about it. And I, and I told him what was going on. And I said, you know, I mean, obviously I've been raised in Pentecostal circles. I, I've experienced the move of God. But this is different. And he made a statement to me. That is just, he is such a profound man with such easy to understand concepts. And he said, uh, stay open and don't put him in a box. That's it. Don't put him in a box. In other words, don't just keep meeting from 11 to 12 just because something's happening. Don't put him in a box. Now, I will meet from 11 to 12 as long as he tells me to. But I'm telling you, God will not abandon any city to not have a move of God when there's one on in a nation. He, he, he will always find a people that will open the door for him to touch that city. And, and I'm going to say something, and you can think whatever you want to think about it. Don't really care. The greatest days of Little Rock, Pulaski County, this state are ahead of us. The greatest days are ahead of us because there's a move of God on. There's a move of God on. Is it the last move of God? I don't know. I don't know. But here's what I know. I want to be right in the middle of it. So do you accept the call? You want to go with him? I want to go. Amen? I want to go. And, and I want this thing to spread to Stuttgart. And I want this thing to spread to Pine Bluff. And I want this thing, right? I, I, I want it to spread up north. I want it to go to Fayetteville and, and Rogers and Bentonville. There are people in here, you got family up in those areas. We need a move of God to touch up there. Amen? I, I want Kansas City set on fire with the fire of God. I've got family. I've got children that live there. I need a move of God in their life. I need God to show up and move in their life. I, I need the East Coast. I've got children that live on the East Coast. I need the fire of God to move in those arenas and in those areas. Why? Because I need them to be touched. They are the generation that God said He's going to touch. Hallelujah. So we're going, amen, and we're just going to wait on him. Isn't that wonderful? Oh, hallelujah. And, I, and I'll close with this right here. This is my third closing. I get three. Get three. Hallelujah. I mean, I can always borrow one. I always got one in the chamber, so I can always borrow one. But <laughs> what was I going to say? See, y'all started laughing. Vernon, Vernon did it. It, it, it doesn't matter, I guess. Uh, Lord, do I need to say that? You'll have to help me remember it if I need to. Oh, hallelujah. Glory be to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. I praise you for that, Lord. You're so good to us. You're so good to us. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. We just glorify you, Lord. We just magnify you. That's what it is. Thank you, Lord. Don't let natural things 
move you away from a move of God. You hear what I'm saying? Nat- natural things. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that doing something in the natural is going to move you away from the move, the move of God. What I'm saying is, is that there, there are, are little things. I've watched people over the years get upset about nothing and miss out on a move of God. And, and, and you can't do that. It, it doesn't matter. I'll reiterate what I said earlier. It doesn't matter where I got to park or where I got to sit, who I got to sit behind, who I got to sit beside. Amen. Doesn't matter. I mean, Carrie's proof of that. It just, it doesn't matter who you got to sit with. Glory to God. Bring some class over to this corner. (laughs) Amen. Do you understand that? Because what am I, I going to miss on? What am I going to miss out on?